Grand Canyon University's RN to BSN online degree program makes earning your bachelor's in nursing possible. Balance online coursework with local in-person clinicals to position yourself for potential leadership opportunities in the time you have from wherever you are. Leaving room for what matters. Achieve your goals with your personalized plan and team behind you. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Visit gcu.edu. Odd Trails contains adult language and content. If you have a story to share, send it to stories at oddtrails.com. Enjoy the show. Forget facts. Forget logic. Forget everything that seems real. Just trust. Believe. This is a story I've been telling everyone about for 14 years. I live in the Philippines. In May of 2008, a typhoon we called Cosme hit the island pretty bad. To this day, it is the scariest and most memorable storm I've ever experienced. Mind you, it wasn't the worst storm that's befallen our country, but it was for me. There are two reasons for this. Number one, I think it was the first storm that my, at the time, five-year-old brain could fully process. I mean, as a kid, when you see winds strong enough to uproot trees and shred a tin roof, you'd be pretty scared. I thought our house was gonna collapse and that we'd die. The second reason is that I heard a voice from no one. More on that later. Before we can actually get into it, I feel like I need to explain why I was sleeping in the living room. Please bear with me. There were five of us living in that house. My parents, brother, grandma, and myself. But that night, there were 16 people in the house. During that month, four of my great-aunts from the city were staying with us, as they usually did on their annual vacations, and they got stranded when the storm hit. Plus, our extended family on my father's side, consisting of two adults and five cousins, evacuated to our house because the storm completely tore off their roof. Since space was limited, we slept wherever we could fit. My great-aunts were really fond of me as a child, so my parents always made me sleep beside them every time they came over. Kinda weird, but also endearing. Anyway, I was sleeping between my two great-aunts on the makeshift bed we'd set up on the living room floor. The rain was still pouring, although not as hard. The ambience was gentle enough to lull you to sleep. I wasn't aware of the time, but it was probably around 2 a.m. when I woke up to hear my nickname being called 
Instantly, I sat up, thinking it was my mom. After rubbing the sleep off my eyes, I looked up and around, only to see no one. Okay, silly me. It was only a dream. I laid back down, closed my eyes, and there it was again. Alex, said a woman's voice, clear as day. I sat up once more, and again, no one was there. I thought my mom was calling me from the balcony, so I stood up, went over to our screen door, and peeked outside. No one was there, nothing but our potted plants. I was really starting to freak out at this point, because I don't know how my mom could have gotten back inside her room that quickly. And I would have heard the wind chimes on her door if she did. But why would she wake me up twice? only to go back to her room. I thought maybe my closest cousin was pulling a prank on me, but I didn't 100% believe this, because it wasn't her voice that I heard. So I went over to the room they were sleeping in, opened the door, and there she was, snoring and out like a light, snugly trapped in an entanglement of limbs among her family. Strange. I figured... If she really was pulling a prank on me, it would be really hard for her to get up from that position, go into the living room to wake me, and then quickly go back to the bedroom before I opened my eyes and get back into bed without at least waking one of her parents. Or even if she just called me without getting up, it would have been loud enough to wake one of them since I heard the voice clearly from the living room. Very dazed and confused, I walked back to the living room. I checked the windows to see if there was someone outside. Still nothing out there, and all of our neighbors' houses were closed, as they should have been during that hour. I turned in a circle to inspect the house. The bathroom door was open, but thankfully, no one was there either. Convinced that it was all just my imagination, I yawned, which caused me to close my eyes again. The moment everything went dark, I heard from my left, Alex. I was so startled that I dove into our bed, wrapped myself up entirely in my blanket, and shut my eyes. I shouldn't have done that though, because it spoke my nickname again. Alex. Alex. That's all it said. I opened my eyes. I was shivering from fear. I didn't want to believe what was happening, so I closed my eyes, just to see if I would hear it again. And I did. That confirmed my situation. Oddly, though, this gave me a moment of calm and clarity. I contemplated for a moment, and I decided to try it one more time, just to get a better understanding of what I'm actually hearing. So I did. I was not surprised this time when I was called. I noted three things. First, it was for sure a woman's voice, but definitely not my mom's. 
I only thought it was my mom at first because of the way it said my nickname. It was definitely an adult feminine voice because it wasn't shrill and thin. It didn't have any adolescent or teen pitch qualities and it also wasn't raspy and brittle like my grandma's or great aunt's. It sounded smooth and deep, like how most middle-aged adults talk. Secondly, it didn't have any tone. It didn't sound like how ghosts talk in scary movies. I don't think it was trying to creep me out. Although it was swift, there wasn't a sense of urgency to it, and no emotions at all. No hint of intention. As for the third thing, which brought back my panic, it was the realization that the voice was so clear because of how near it was to me. It was coming from our dining room, which is easily four steps from the living room. For a moment, I thought there was someone inside the ceiling or behind the walls, but it didn't sound muffled or like how a voice would sound from the other side of a wall. Again, it was very clear. I didn't want to close my eyes longer than a millisecond because I'd hear it again. I fought back sleep and held my eyes open for as long as I could. I was so nervous that I soaked our foam with my sweat. So I sat up, put my face between my knees, and covered my ears. I don't know how long I stayed like that. Probably not more than an hour but it felt like forever, especially when I'm concentrating on not closing my eyes as I'm crying. At first, it was regular, only speaking every single time I'd close my eyes for longer than a blink. But then, as time passed, it became irregular and unpredictable. Sometimes it would miss for a few eye shuts, while other times it would speak even when I just blinked, which stressed me out even more, but it remained monotonous in its place. Eventually, due to my constant shifting and quiet whimpering, I felt one of my aunts stir. She flinched when she saw me. I guess I startled her when she looked up and saw my puffy, snotty, red face staring down at her with panic in my eyes. She asked me why I was awake. I was just so relieved to hear someone else's voice that I cried even more. I was a mess. Through my panting, choking, and huffing, I managed to explain what I had just gone through. I could tell she didn't believe me. She just stared at me with a look of curiosity and amusement. Then she asked why I didn't wake them up. Good point, I suppose. I guess I was so shaken up that I momentarily forgot they were beside me. I just stared at her and didn't answer. So she tucked me back down and cuddled me while reassuring me that it probably was just a nightmare. Somehow, I managed to get back to sleep. In the morning, my great aunt told everybody about how I heard a voice. Of course, None of them actually believed me. Instead, they thought it was adorable of me to imagine female voices in the dark. But I didn't want to believe it either. 
and I was desperate for a less scary explanation. So when my closest cousin woke up, I told her what I heard, and I tried to make her confess that it was her all along. She got pissed off at me for trying to creep her out as she ate her cereal. To this day, I've maintained the same story, and no one has ever believed me. I don't know how my five-year-old brain managed to process and remember all these details. I don't really believe in ghosts. I get scared at the thought of them, but I don't necessarily believe they're real. I consider myself an agnostic atheist, so naturally, I'm a skeptic when it comes to supernatural things, and I don't often get easily rattled by weird sounds or occurrences because I usually find completely rational and plausible reasons for them. With that, I haven't completely crossed out the possibility that the whole thing was indeed just my imagination or a nightmare caused by the storm. One thing is for sure, whether there's a natural explanation for it or not. I know it still happened. It happened because it's still affecting me to this day. Sometimes, I find myself holding back from blinking in the dark, in fear of hearing that voice again. I don't have a lot of memories from my childhood, but this one is painfully crystal clear. I can't recall any other strange or creepy occurrences I've had, or I've simply blocked them from my memory. Even if I know it's just nerves, I can't shake the feeling that I'm being watched as I type this. So, that's it. I heard what I can only assume to be the voice of a ghost. No physical contact nor any apparitions. Overall, I guess it's pretty harmless, but it still kind of makes me sad that no one believed me, and therefore, no one really comforted me at that time. I couldn't sleep properly for days. I think that's how I became an insomniac. My cousins make me tell the story over and over when we get together, but they just treat it like some campfire tale for giggles. So I decided to just send my story here, since I've heard others experience similar happenings. Be safe and take care, everyone. This story is from when I was about six or seven. My grandmother had just passed away, so my parents and I moved in with my grandpa to keep him company. My grandpa's house was located in the country, on a large plot of land that my family owned. The house was one story, and there was a long gravel driveway leading to the house with trees and forests everywhere around it. When you walked into the house, there was a kitchen. Right in front of that kitchen was the living room with two wide door frames on each end of the bar leading into the living room. Past that living room was my grandpa's room. If you took a left into the kitchen, there was a small hallway that led to a small circle with my room and my parents' room right across. 
on the opposite end of the hallway were the dining room and the game room with my Xbox. We never changed the channel from the Xbox HDMI input. Now remember that. So, right after we had moved in, we started noticing things around the house. Small things. Like, we would put a cup somewhere, and it would be somewhere else later. My mom said that it was just my grandma watching over us. Then my mom started waking up to the TV in the gaming room, the one with the Xbox connected. But it was on normal TV. It would go to like a news station, which was weird since none of us watched the news. Plus the volume would be at 100%. It would always be either a really sad story or a heartwarming story. My mom just chalked it up to faulty wiring since the house was old. At the same time this was happening, I started sleepwalking, which wasn't weird on its own since I have a history of sleepwalking sometimes. But the weird thing about this one instance was that my mom told me she woke up to every light in the house being turned on and every door in the house being opened. Then she found me asleep in the middle of my grandpa's bed. But my mom once again said that it was probably my grandma who saw me sleepwalking and tried to guide me somewhere safe from heaven. But this wasn't the only thing that happened to me. A few months after the passing of my grandma, and after all the weird phenomena started happening, I got a bunk bed and I slept on the top bunk, trying to be a big boy. But that's when the night terrors began. Now, these nightmares have forever traumatized me, and even writing this out gives me uneasy feelings. The dream would start out normal. I would be having a picnic with my grandma in a flowery field, but then she would turn into this shadow creature. At the same time, all of the flowers would begin to wilt, and I would suddenly be in a graveyard behind a broken-down church surrounded by stone statues of my family members with terrified expressions on their faces. Then, I would look up and see my mom standing on a broken beam coming out of a dilapidated church, or at least something resembling my mother, because this thing was not actually my mom. It had an eerie smile, and the smile started to crack, like old concrete. It started to scream, and I could see its razor-sharp teeth. Then it would fly right at me as it started to crumble. Right before it slammed into me, I would wake up in complete terror. I would freak out and fall off of my bunk bed. Then my mother would run into my room and try to comfort me. But I never told her about the dreams. Too scared that it would happen again. And they did. The dreams continued, along with the TV turning on every night for about two years. And occasionally I would look outside my window when we were driving at night and I'd see a glimpse of some kind of shadowy creature that creature that lured me in by looking like my grandma in the dream. Then out of nowhere, it all stopped. No more dreams, no more shadow creatures, and no more TV. Fast forward about nine years later. I had just turned 15 and was still living in that same house, except my parents had gotten divorced, so it was just me, my mom, and my grandpa. Nothing weird had happened since the TV and the night terror stopped, so we had all forgotten about them. Up until one night, I fell asleep in my bed with my TV on and I woke up to my mom screaming. I got up and I looked around, but my mom was asleep and nothing was wrong. So I went back to bed. 
Just as I fell asleep, though, I was jerked awake out of nowhere, and I was suddenly stuck and unable to move my body. Now, I have never had sleep paralysis before that moment, so I was terrified. Just as I got myself in check and calmed down a bit, I thought maybe if I just sit here a while, I'll be able to move again soon. Just as I was thinking that, in my line of sight, a shadowy figure about the size of a large raccoon ran across my line of vision under my dresser. I immediately felt a sense of extreme danger and terror as if I was going to die. I tried to scream for help, but nothing happened. I could only hear myself in my head screaming, help, help, somebody help me. Then, as suddenly as it began, it stopped. I quickly texted my girlfriend in terror, and that's when she comforted me and told me about her experience. She apparently had a dream where she saw her best friend standing at her doorway, and she let her inside to end up feeling more and more uneasy and scared until she realized that this thing was not her friend. It then morphed into a terrifying shadow creature, the one that I kept seeing. Right as this happened, she felt the same way that I did, scared for her life. Then she woke up in a cold sweat. We're now 21 and 22, and neither of us have had any experiences since, but we're both still terrified of sleeping, and some nights we suffer from insomnia due to the terror that it will come back, and we won't wake up. I still don't know what it was or why it targeted us, but whatever it was, I hope that we don't meet again. I'd like to share an experience I had in July of 2012. I had just moved into my very own apartment about an hour away from my family in a different state. About two weeks after moving, I rescued a dog, and she would often either sleep with me on my bed or on the futon chair in my room. One day, my sister decided to visit me. Because I only had one room and one bed, we decided to share. So she and I were in my bed, and my dog was on the futon. We fell asleep, and I eventually woke up in the middle of the night. I'm not sure of the time. I'm a light sleeper and always have been. I woke up due to feeling a presence at the end of my bed and hearing voices. I was on my left side, facing my sister, who was also sleeping on her side. But I saw two figures standing at the end of my bed. They were humanoid-looking, with big, oval-shaped heads and large black eyes. Their voices sounded robotic, or like a cartoon alien. It's weird because I don't think I actually heard them, but rather their voices were projected into my head. The air felt heavy and like time was standing still. One of them spoke into something that resembled a wristwatch and said, There are two female humans and one canine. The other nodded in agreement. I couldn't move. I was paralyzed with fear. 
I'm known to have severe night terrors, but this was unlike anything I had experienced in the past, and I've never experienced anything like it since. The entire time that those beings were there, which honestly was only maybe a minute or two, I was trying to wake my sister up, but I couldn't. The two figures finished, and somehow I fell back asleep, only to wake up a couple of hours later, which felt like seconds. I jolted awake and loudly exhaled, which woke my sister up, and I quickly explained to her the experience that I had. Needless to say, both of us were pretty freaked out, but chalked it up to sleep paralysis. Since then, I've done some research into shadow figures, but from what I've concluded, many of them don't talk. They just stand there. Over the years, I've told people about my experience, and many believe me, despite it sounding crazy. I'm a very rational person, but the only explanation I can come up with is that some sort of alien race was conducting a census on the population that night. In a previous episode, you mentioned a bit about twin telepathy and connections. It reminded me of my own paranormal experiences that I shared with my twin growing up. Being raised in a very religious family, my twin sister and I have been made aware and knowledgeable of the paranormal at a young age. We believed in evil entities and also good ones. But we were taught to consider the doors that would be opened if we acknowledged any sort of evil spirit. Watching horror movies or even speaking of paranormal topics were supposedly ways that evil could be lured to you. This is why, recently, my twin sister and I have put the pieces together of horrid experiences we both had but didn't know that we shared. This first occurrence happened at the age of five. My sister, Penelope, and I were taking a nap in our play tent in the unfinished basement of our small town home. Usually after school, we would take naps and play in that tent until our mother came home and made dinner. What I recall was taking a nap and Penelope violently shaking me awake in a panic and telling me to run upstairs. 22 years later, I'll never forget the horrified look on her face. It gave me the instant signal that we needed to leave. According to Penelope, she had trouble falling asleep and just stared at the colorful fabric tent walls. She then noticed shadows of multiple entities circling around the tent. Not even a minute later, the tent started to lift up, but the weight of our small bodies was keeping the center connected to the ground. Thus, only the corners of the tent were actually in the air. At that point, Penelope, being the older twin, protectively ran behind me as she made me bolt up the steps of the basement first. We both ran to our older sister upstairs and never played in that basement alone again. Now that town home that we lived in was allegedly touched with black magic by the previous owner's mother, who was upset about her son selling the house to us. We learned of this from our neighbor, who was close with the previous family, but only told my mother after we sold the house because she didn't want to scare my family away. 
and with our great twin luck, my sister and I slept in what used to be the grandmother's bedroom for five years until we moved out. I believe the bedroom that we shared was one of the more active spaces in the house. Something my sister and I experienced but didn't realize we both had was the same recurring dream. We would both dream of being in our room, but the three windows on the wall zoomed in and out at the same time while shadows circled the walls. We both described this dream as being like a circus or carousel, but from a horror movie. After being moved out of that house for a while, I brought up having those dreams in that room, which to my surprise, Penelope told me she had the same exact one every other night as well. The last occurrence I want to talk about was in a different home when my sister and I were 17. We shared a small room with two twin beds about four feet away from each other. This was mostly a scary experience for Penelope as it was her first time out of many having sleep paralysis. What she recalled that night was going to bed at around 4 a.m. after video chatting with her then-boyfriend. She then hears my mother come out of her room and sit on the couch in the living room, loudly talking on the phone to my uncle. This isn't unusual for my mother to do this. In fact, my family is practically accustomed to hearing her rowdiness in the early morning hours and falling back to sleep with ease. Penelope does just this and turns on her side while feeling herself fall asleep. Except she was hearing our mother's voice, and she realized that she couldn't recognize it. It slowly started turning into the deep voice of a man. The voice does not only turn male, but it's shouting and it's cursing at her with what she describes to be in tongues, while still being able to understand every word. She realized that her body couldn't move and described feeling like she was sinking into her bed while feeling like she was floating on top of it at the same time. In addition, she felt a heavy weight on her body and to her horror, she saw a man with a pointed nose and a top hat slowly inching towards her face. At this point, she starts panicking and is screaming my name, although nothing is actually coming out of her mouth. I, on the other hand, was dreaming. I don't remember what it was about, but I heard Penelope frantically call my name multiple times. I guess the dream was too much for me to keep sleeping because I jolted up in my bed and looked at Penelope, checking if she was calling for me. It looked like she was sleeping as her back was facing toward me, but seconds later she woke up crying hysterically and was yelling that she just experienced sleep paralysis. I ran to the light, for some reason scared that whatever she experienced or saw would get me too. Funny how I believed light would save me. Once I turned it on, I sat on her bed. She cried and told me about her sleep paralysis and how she kept trying to scream my name but couldn't get anything out. I told her I heard her in my dream. And that's why I woke up a few seconds before she could get out of her sleep paralysis. Unfortunately, Penelope has experienced sleep paralysis many times after this, but this time, she says, is by far the worst that she ever had. We don't talk about it because it usually triggers another experience. This has me convinced that maybe acknowledging the paranormal does open up doors to evil entities, and sleep paralysis is just one of the ways that the paranormal toys with the living. Since this incident, 
We both strongly believe that we have a heavy twin connection, and I hope that in the future, we can help each other out again by using it. I wanted to share this story because I still, to this day, can't make sense of the situation, and I think of it often. When I was younger, growing up in southern New Jersey, most of us kids from my hometown would ride our bikes together all day after school, or just for fun over the weekends. This particular situation happened when I was 14 or 15. I was riding around with a friend down the side of a main road that goes through our town. The road was single lane each way, but was very busy and had large shoulders on each side of it. If I remember correctly, we were going back to my friend's house to play video games. As I was riding, I could see what appeared to be a man wearing a black jacket far off in the distance in front of us on the same side of the road. At the time, I didn't think anything of it, because he was so far away. A minute or two went by, and I was just riding next to my friend, talking to him. I should say I never said anything to my friend about the man I saw up ahead, because I just assumed he had seen him in the distance too. My friend decided to pedal faster and got a bit in front of me. As I watched him go past me, out of absolutely nowhere, the man that was far off in the distance was now ten feet in front of me and yelled, Look out! while pointing behind me. Shocked, I looked over my left shoulder and a large white truck was swerving out of its lane and into the shoulder of the road, heading straight toward me. I quickly and sharply turned my bike almost falling off. I missed the truck by literal inches. If I didn't swerve out of the way, the truck would have crushed and killed me for sure. The driver never stopped to check on me and just kept on going. As I was trying to gather myself after everything that just happened, my friend came speeding back, checking to see if I was alright. I said, yeah, I'm fine. Where did that guy go? My friend asked, You mean the guy in the truck? No, the guy in the black jacket who was walking in front of us, I responded. My friend's eyes widened. What are you talking about? What guy and what jacket? Apparently, I was the only one who could see him, and in the blink of an eye, he was gone. There wasn't enough time for him to run off anywhere without me being able to see him. Do I have some kind of guardian angel? Still, to this day, I try to make sense of what happened, but with no luck. My workspace at the office is great, except for one thing. 
Usually all the assistants at the morgue leave at about 8 p.m. I believe the mortician actually lives on the upper level. Honestly, I've figured him a bit loose around the edges for living above where he embalms, takes the dead apart, and puts them back together. My friend T works in the office behind me. T is a little jokester. He knows I'm sort of creeped out by the morgue, being so close, so he loves to play dumb pranks on me. One time he hid behind a corner in the office and whispered unintelligible things. He shook the curtains against one of my windows nearby. I just stared like a deer caught in headlights not knowing what the hell was going on. Then he jumped out from behind the curtains and scared the bejesus out of me. One night about two months ago, T and I were burning the midnight oil, so to speak. This means that we usually work well into the night hours. It's a pretty common occurrence. I'm staring at my computer screen when the lights in the office start to flicker. I realize that I am the only one in the office room. This makes me immediately suspicious that T is up to one of his tricks again. I looked across the street and I noticed that no lights were turned on, which made the building look like a haunted house attraction. Very funny, T, I called out with a sigh of exasperation. T peeks around the corner of the kitchen in the next room. You say something? He was clearly engaged in what he was making. So what the hell was going on, I thought. I get up out of my desk and turn the lights back on. I call out, nope, because I didn't want to let him think that he was getting to me. I'm back at my desk, typing away when I feel a slight tug on the back of my chair. It left me catching my balance. Now, my senses are in radar mode. Then I hear echoing footsteps walking around the hallway. I slowly turn my head towards the hall. The only light was the illuminated exit sign at the far end. I got up from my chair and started walking towards the kitchen, where I last saw T. I was almost out of the room when I felt a hand lay on my right shoulder. It caused me to have to try and catch my balance. It scared me. The exit door to the building slammed shut a few moments later. The door shutting in the distance made me jump again. I must have been waking out. I saw a dark shadow figure in the other corner of the room. I stood there frozen with disbelief and fear. The dark shadow suddenly appeared on the street in front of the morgue parking lot. It was just standing there. I could finally make out the shape. It was the shape of a human. Could it have been that creepy mortician messing with me or a ghost from someone that he might have taken apart and put back together? Congratulations in the house, big boy. Thanks, Daddy. I'm excited. I've been doing a lot of short, quick trips, just moving smaller items over there. I've been putting off renting a truck because that whole part of the move is, it's a bit daunting, but overall, I'm excited about it all. Well, you've still got like couches and beds and stuff to move, so you're going to have to do some kind of truck or movers, right? I'm going to have to, yeah. But yeah, for now, I'm just going to sit on an air mattress and record my podcast in this half-empty home of mine. 
Yeah. I actually have two close friends moving. Uh, our buddy Armando, who we talk about, who needs to be on the podcast at some point, is moving this weekend as well. He's actually moving right now. Really? Good for him. Yeah. yeah you guys both got your houses and uh, settling in, becoming adults. Yeah. I've actually had to do a little bit of maintenance on day one. The deadbolt was not working, but luckily I got one of those reinforcement locks. I think it's called the Defender Security Reinforcement Lock. It's like a hotel lock, but on steroids. I've seen some doorbell cameras of people trying to kick down doors, and that was the only thing that prevented it from opening. So I was like, I'm getting that because I'm a bit of a a, a worry wart when it comes to my home security. So I'm bunkering down for a societal collapse here. Oh, I get it. I totally get it. Uh, as soon as I moved from being in an apartment complex with a lot of people living around, you know, where everybody helps each other out. It looks out for each other. Yeah. As soon as you move into a house where you don't have that, it's like, oh, wow, I got to look out for myself at all times. So yeah, safety, especially when you deal with stories like I do with Let's Not Meet, it's always on the back of my mind. Um, it's funny you say it's called like the Defender. What, what what did you call it? The Defender Security Reinforcement Lock. It sounds like something from a 90s movie that like a 90s comedy that somebody would buy, like the Defender 9000 and this <laughs> over the top commercial shows dads with power drills breaking a sweat. Yeah, totally. Uh That actually reminds me how important locks are. I had a story that I was telling on tour for Let's Not Meet, and I'm totally going to spoil it now, so I can't use it again. But the gist of the story is this woman's just sitting in her living room, watching TV, relaxing for the night, and a man just walks right into her living room through the front door, doesn't say anything, and stands there and stares at her. And she's in shock. She doesn't know what to do. You always say, oh, why didn't she scream? Why didn't she call the cops? You, I hate when I, people say stuff like that. I know. No, no. Unless you're the one experiencing it. Shut up. Yeah. Unless you've actually experienced shock. Right. <laughs> like, just don't. Just don't. Because you can't say what you would or would not have done because you're not in her shoes. You exactly. Know? You didn't live her life. You didn't live her day. You don't know what's going on. People react different ways. A lot of people freeze up in situations of trauma or uh, danger. Anyway, she froze up. She didn't know what to do. So they just kind of stood. So he stood there and they just kind of stared at each other for a minute. He had his hand behind his back and he was clearly clutching something and he wouldn't move. Like he was just standing there with his hand behind his back. Finally, she spoke up, said something like, hello, what are you doing here? And he said, uh, just kind of stared at her for a second. And he said, oh, I was looking for I don't know, apartment number 237, room 237, whatever. Uh, I was meeting some friends for a party. And with that, he just kind of like backs out of the house or the apartment, shuts the door and that's it. Weird experience, right? Mm -hmm. So the next day she's taking out her trash and she runs into the neighbor's that live in you know apartment number 237 she's like hey your friend walked into my apartment last night but it's okay i told him that he had the wrong place and where to go and they looked at her for a moment there's a husband and wife they looked at her and they're like what do you mean she's like oh your friend he just walked into my house but i gave him you know told him that he was in the wrong apartment number and they go we didn't have anybody over last night So this was just a random man that walked into a house clutching something behind his back that didn't belong there. Honestly, my first thought is probably just a burglar hoping nobody was home and then realized, oh, whoops, sorry, wrong house. That's exactly what I think it was, too. 
It was just like, whoops, I, you weren't supposed to be home type thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But locks are so important, man. We have a million stories on let's not meet about people just like their locks failing or forgetting to lock their door. She did say in her story that she was adamant about locking the doors. That's what was so weird about it because that was the one night she forgot. And the one night she forgot is the night that she had an intruder. And that's what and, worries me. That's why I am so hell bent on personal security for reasons mm -hmm. like that. It's the, it's the one time you forget to not watch your back or be extra cautious where something's going to happen. At least in my mind. Yeah. If I'm remembering it correctly, there was a Mythbusters episode where they were trying to figure out whether the deadbolt or the handle lock, like the little mm -hmm. thing that you turn on the handle, uh, held the door better. And Oh, deadbolt by far. Apparently, the thing that stopped it from opening was actually the handle lock. Not no, the dead shut bolts. up. No, yeah, I, I gotta go. I gotta go back and rewatch the episode, but I remember it so vividly because I was like, then why do we have fucking deadbolts? But I don't know I, I, if if you guys, if anybody's recently watched that episode of Mythbusters and I'm remembering it wrong, please, by all means, reach out because I'm not going to remember to watch it. I'm curious about that. I, I, I do know that three inch screws like into the hinges themselves are also important. Otherwise, the hinges will just fall off before the locks. Interesting. There's a lot of little stuff you can do. You can also get film for your windows that make them shatterproof. Um, that's worth that's checking cool. out. Mm -hmm. Well, I'm going to get that for yeah, sure. Yeah. yeah, I'm all about home safety. Well, speaking of home safety, how about that alien story we got this week? These aliens conducting a census when this person is trying to sleep. What are your thoughts on that story? Immediately, I thought of our buddy John Keel. And before I say anything, I know I made the joke recently about John Keel being a pervert. I, I'm not by, by any means calling him a pervert in real life. It was a joke. I read his book, Mothman Prophecies, recently, and he goes into describing a lot of the people that he talks to in interviews in Point Pleasant um, in West Virginia, where everything kind of took place with the Mothman Prophecies. And he was just kind of derogatory when describing the women, saying whether or not they were pretty, whether or not they were smart. It's kind of insulting. His stories are great, but the writing I, I could live without. So basically in the book, John Keel was getting a lot of phone calls and tips from strange voices that kind of led up to the prediction of a catastrophe, which ended up being the Silver Bridge collapse in 67. But... He was in Point Pleasant investigating Mothman sightings, alien sightings, all kinds of like high strangeness. And one of the main things that I loved about the book was all of these accounts of census taking aliens. Basically, it, they would show up and what I like to think of as human disguises because they never looked right. They had like weird shiny skin or their bodies yeah, were something was off. Something was always off. It just didn't seem natural. It was very men in black. And the way he described it, I, you can tell that the movie men in black, they took a lot of notes from this. Um, so they would have, they would show up and they would just be asking all kinds of questions, like random weird questions that don't make any sense. And it was like, they were taking a census and that, really resonated with me with this story because it seems like that's what they were doing. They were just like taking a census of, oh, we've got two humans and a dog, blah, blah, blah. Are you an Aries by chance human? Yeah. <laughs> what I found interesting was that they were speaking English because why would aliens be speaking English when they're just talking to themselves unless they wanted this person to know what they were saying? That was pretty curious to me. 
Why would they be speaking English to themselves? Yeah, they did say that the aliens or whatever were sort of talking telepathically. It wasn't audible. So it may just be like a universal knowing type language, you know. Or maybe something out in the void just automatically filters and translates the various languages so we can all understand them. Yeah, it could be. Maybe maybe telepathy or however you communicate you know, telepathically, maybe that is its own language. Maybe there is a universal language that we automatically just understand in our own languages when it comes to anything otherworldly or, you know, supernatural, paranormal, whatever. I don't know. But it was interesting that it was English, like two humans and a canine. (laughs) We got one bozo here covered in cat hair. (laughs) Speaking of cats, I have a litter box I need to clean, a house to finish packing. I have to return some videotapes. I think we're done here. Yeah. Ta-ta there, Andrew. Oh, okay then. Uh, Cue the music. (laughs) Uh, This week you heard The Voice Amidst the Storm by Alex, The Shadow That Haunted Me by NerudoBro39, Aliens Performing Census by Kylie, My Twin Called for Help in My Dream by Talene, Concerned Ghost Man Saved My Life by Alex, and finally The Man Across the Street by Leia. All the stories you've heard this week were narrated and produced with the permission of their respective authors. If you want to hear your story on the show, send it to stories at oddtrails.com. And don't forget to sign up for our Patreon if you want ad-free versions of all of our episodes at a higher bitrate for the best listening experience. Don't forget to check out the new episodes of my other podcasts, Let's Not Meet, a true horror podcast, Welcome to Paradise, It Sucks, and the old-time radio cast all at crypticcountypodcasts.com. Or just search wherever you get your podcasts. We'll see you next week. Stay safe. Oh, uh, Brandon signed off before the the peace out. Um, I, I guess I'll do it. Peace out. Don't let the ghosts and the ghouls disturb you, darling.